Welcome back, everyone. It has been a minute since our last conversation, and I hope that you are having an enlightening time with the tempo, the questions, and the unplanned tributaries that we take during our podcast. We ask the questions no one wants to ask and talk about the topics that seemingly fly under the radar. Well, today I'm joined by two familiar voices, Mr. K and my man Rick. Good morning, guys, and welcome back. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Now, our conversation has taken some interesting turns, and I'd like to continue this journey and dive into some something that's preached and taught and really something that has become the foundation of so many religions and practices the law, sin, and repentance. Now, we are under no law, only grace, right? Or not right. So let's get into it today. This is the HowDoIRepent.org podcast. So I've heard it said that, uh, Mr. K, we only need to follow two laws, love God and love others, that the law was nailed to the cross and it's all about perspective, and and so what say you? Let's let's hit it hard today. Let's jump into it. You know, we've been talking about perspective uh, the last couple podcasts. We gave a couple of different angles. One from the Book of Life, and you know, one talking about the zones in heaven. On another one, I or on one of my actually made a comment about sacrifices and looking at the sacrificial system as going to a restaurant with God. And you know, we we get these perspective. We're able to get these perspectives. And we get a little glimpse. Maybe it, it helps change our view a little bit so that we're more open to look, you know, look at the scripture a little different. Um, like just take the point of the, the sacrifices. You know, we were, we were talking about sacrifices, uh, you know, should be looked at as we're going to go have dinner with God. Well, that's one of the perspectives, but you know, in the sacrifices, there, there was five different types of sacrifices. And then there was, other sacrifices, like the sin sacrifice, which is where some some way God takes the blood of an animal and uses it as a cleaning material, like a detergent to clean the altar. Mm. But then he has a grain sacrifice that has no blood in it. And, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, you got to have blood to have a sacrifice. Well, it, it actually says there's a grain offering, so that doesn't have blood. So what I'm getting at is mm. there's different perspectives, and we may not understand them. The perspective should just really give you an angle to dig deeper, to ask the right questions. And sometimes we're not going to get the right answer. Right. Well, the same could be said through through translation, right? I mean, we look at the translation. I even go back to NIV, to King James, to the complete Jewish Bible. I, I go through all of these. And even the wordage is different, which changes the whole, narr- the whole narrative of the paragraph. It, it changes the outcome. So... Uh, you know, really looking at it from a different perspective is essentially you're changing the understanding or, or by the way you look at it. All of a sudden it opens up a door and you go, oh, wow. Like you just said, Mr. K, you know, I've never thought about that. A detergent. I mean, that's that's pretty good. And it really and, and having dinner with God sacrifices, you know. And so God has his way of doing things. And we, we may never really come to the full understanding. And, and sometimes we just have to be OK. Uh, well, this is where I'm at right now. This is the perspective I have. And you know what? In three years from now, I might change a little bit in my perspective. And that's okay because I'm growing through that. Right. 
you know, you were, you were asking like the, the two laws, I guess. Right, like, right. And let me, loving let me our jump neighbor. Back into, right. Let me jump back into that. You know, the, the, we only need to follow two laws, right? Everything else was nailed to the cross. So really what we have to do is love God and love others. That's really all that we're really needing to do. And let's, let's jump into this. Uh, really, let's nail this because, um, you know, I, I've heard it said that the law was nailed to the cross, but that, that, does that mean that now we are allowed, you know, that we have the opportunity to to go on sinning because this grace has been extended? And, and I know well, all of you who are listening understand that Paul said, should I go on sinning because, you know, grace has been extended by no means? Well, isn't that necessarily what's being said if if we're nailing these laws? So what are we supposed to follow? Go go ahead, Rick. My, you know, my understanding was always or my understanding was always that there's, you know, the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments. And and their Jesus's description of the two laws, love the Lord God and love thy neighbor, you know, as yourself, is just a breakdown of the tenets of the ten, the, you know, I mean, the two tenets of the Ten Commandments. Is that not factual? Looking at that from the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments is split into two parts. The first five commandments is about loving your loving God, right. and the last five is about loving your neighbor. Now, somebody would could question and say, well, the fifth commandment says love. Your honor your father and mother. That's not loving God, but it's a Godhead. It's the it's the it's God brought you into this world. God partnered with your parents, and they brought you into this world. So it's still in the fact of honoring the authority and God. You know what's above you. That makes so, sense. So so that's loving God. So then you got loving your neighbor. You know, don't steal. You know, you, you got to get along. It, it's it's like you have to get along with humans that we live with, other citizens of this world, and then you have to, you know, do what God wants. Some people will be like, "Well, I just want to love God. You know, I'm just going to be holy." You know, and you got like you look at monks or people who separate from humanity. <laughs> They're just wanting to love God. They don't want to deal with people. But then you got people that are like, hey, I'm a good person. I don't steal. I don't do this. So you got people who are just about loving your neighbor. You need both of these. They, they both have to come together. I want to concentrate on that just for a minute here as we, as we continue down this road. How do we love God? You know, really, we could, we could sit and, and talk about it and mull over it and, and just, you know, this is good. This is good. So, so what does God desire? You know, God's love language. He said, you know, this is how you will love me. This is how I want to be loved. Because, you know, as we said it before in a previous podcast, you know, everybody who's listening, think of your spouse, think of your, you know, your your friends. They all have specific love languages. And you can, you know, uh, Rick, I believe we talked about this before. And, you know, your wife's love language. Well, if her love language is you know, acts of service. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you are an affectionate guy and you're, you know, touchy feely or you're trying to buy her, you know, gifts. And it really doesn't speak to her to show her that love. What would you say God's love language is, is, is obedience, is listening to, to what he tells us to do, is honoring the connections that he's given us. And he's given us numerous ways to connect with him but, you know, when you come back, is it really just lifting my hands and honoring God? Is it really just crying out and pouring out? Is it really just um, uh, giving money in the offering plate? Or is it something greater? Have we missed the mark? And and so so I wanted to go, you know, further in this, Mr. K, how do we love God? How do we give him what he wants from us? He gave us instruction on what to do. I wanted to find two things. I wanted to find what God requires of us mm -hmm. and then what is sin. 
Because without really understanding sin, it's it's hard to get the rest of this right. I remember a time it was very ambiguous in my my mind, like, is it okay to do this? You know, it doesn't say this in the Bible, so can I do this? And then you read in the Bible, it says, well, if if you know it's not right and you do it, it's sin. Well, that can right. be... Right, if you know the good you ought to do and do not do it, that for, that for you is sin. Right, well, that, that can be that can be subjective. And so sure. you've got to start, like, laying it down and saying, okay, well, wait, well, you know, what is? And... Well, everyone who is thinking, everyone who is sitting here listening to this, push pause for one second and just take a moment and stop and ask yourself that question. What is sin? You know, there, there are so many people who have said so many things over so many years. And like we said, we want to go, we want to go uh, deeper beyond the surface. Think to yourself for one second, what is sin? And let's go. We got to understand we, are reading, and you said this a minute ago, we're reading a translated Bible. If we, we're looking at this from a Jewish perspective. They have a methodology for teaching their kids, you know, really what is sin and what the law is. And what it is, it's a, it's a normally they'll take a kid uh, maybe around the age of six and start teaching them right out of the book of Leviticus and teaching them the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And what they do, they take four to five years to do that. So by the time a kid is coming into uh, a teenager, they, they're they're held to this accountability to where they they need to know the Torah because now at the age of around twelve or thirteen, depending if you're a girl or a guy, it, they're they're held accountable. So they always set that foundation in in a kid's life. So when Jesus was twelve years old at the temple, well, it was normal. For a 12-year-old to understand the Torah, it, 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 who's a Jewish, who's raised up in a Jewish home that is religious at some level and teaching them, that's what happens. And then, then the next six years, they start learning the oral teaching that Moses taught, you know, how to do things. And so that's like a six-year process, and that's learning through, they, you know, it's called the Mishnah. It's, it's how do I keep Shabbat? How do I keep the festivals? What is, you know, how, how do I do specific things? And, and what are some opinions of, like, what not to do? Well, then, after that, there's a whole other seven years of learning all the opinions of all the other Jewish people for the last 2,000 years of how they applied it. So you've got this you know, this 18 years of studying the Bible. And then, you know, then they, they're like, okay, now they can make decisions on how to live life. Most of us as Christians will accept Jesus and say, I just need to love God and I need to love my neighbor and that's it. And I'm good to go. I have no sense of what that means. So, but yet, so what does that all, what does that all have to do with sin though? What, what does that teach me about sin and what, because, Okay, sin is not following the instructions. So, so knowing the good you ought to do and not doing it, that for you is sin. And the good you ought to do is it only comes from the source of who is good is, is the instruction that he laid out before us. Right. He's and telling never, us this is what you need to do. And if you do not do this, that for you is sin. Are, are we so so let's so we got the sin part down is disobedience to God and we can look at Adam and Eve you know they were given an instruction in the garden isn't that like humanity though we 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 get the 99% but yet the 1% we cannot have we want right the we we want to go after what is uh forbidden for us to touch 
and really disobeying uh, God's instruction. And so now, knowing what sin is, what's the next step? Where do we go from here? Well, that's where you just got to be patient and you work through repentance. Repentance is making correction. So if I go through my life and I'm I'm thinking, hey, this is the way God wants me to live, and then all of a sudden I start digging into the scripture and I, maybe I start reading it from Hebrew or I start having some Jewish friends that I learn from and I start recognizing, hey, I need it. We actually need a. This is the way God wants us to do it, and we make this correction. Well, now we're applying that instruction. That is loving God. Loving God is keeping his instructions. And that's what First John 2 says. You love God when you keep his commandments. You know, and oh. the thing is, you're knowing God by keeping them because this is his way that he wants us to live. Now, he, he's giving us the instruction of how to live in the kingdom because it, it's difficult. I'm just going to tell you, when you're not in a community of other people living, I mean, if you're out there by yourself and you're just trying to keep these commandments and you're trying to do things and you're not around other people, well, it's, it takes a, it takes a man <laughs> or a woman that's like strong to do that. And it, that's why you need to have a community of people that you, you grow with. And there's an individual level of salvation, but it means more when there's a group of people as a, as a community. Right. 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 It's probably easier to, to stave off, you know, wolves and things that seek to destroy you if you're in a community versus if you're just an individual. Rick, I, I definitely I want to just kind of hear what's going on through your through your mind, just as we're walking through this and processing. I mean, any thoughts jump out or, you know, what what how have you grown to understand what sin is? What is loving God look like? I mean, that's an action when you loving somebody is an action and it's a day. It's a it's it does take effort. Nothing's effortless. Age-old saying, nothing worth having is worth, or anything worth having is going to be difficult and is worth working for. So, like, it, it's not supposed to be easy. If it was easy, there would be no, it wouldn't be love. Because uh, it, 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 it would be just easy, so you would do it. So, to, to me, the that's what loving God looks like, is the action of your daily life. You know, your the, the small steps. As far as sin goes... There's loving God, which is first for a reason, and then there's loving your neighbor. And you're loving your neighbor because he is made in God's image. It, it all comes back to, it all essentially comes back to loving God, but you can't have one without the other. That's good. I, I actually, I, I really like that. You know, if, if you're not loving your neighbor and you're saying that you're loving God, you're, you're lying to yourself. Um, that is biblical. I want to say in your journey, Rick, just growing up and, and going through, you know, the, the church and, and just kind of walking this thing out, has there ever really been a definitive uh, explanation as to what sin is? Or is it something that's subjective? Is sin something that is subjective or objective, meaning is there a platform as to we, we should not deviate from? Or is it become, you know, this church doesn't like you to have sex before you're married. married. This church doesn't like you to smoke this this isn't you know no drinking church you know because we see in so many religions there is a an acceptable and a non-acceptable well if i'm on the outside looking in i'm going well i want to go to this church because they don't mind if i you know have a cigarette you know before church or these guys don't mind if i smoke weed i mean now they're talking about you know the the gay and lesbian being in in involved in leadership and ministry so where do we go? It's 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 very. You go, the word of God. I mean, you, go, you go to the Word of God. You go to the Bible. 
So I, I understand the debate. Like, I can wrap my head around both sides of the argument for the debate about certain sacrificial laws. And like some of the Old Testament laws, I can wrap my head around the debate of whether some of those are still valid or what the intent was. Because at the end of the day, sin is about intent, just like not sinning is about intent, just like being obedient to God is about intent. Is your intent because you're in love with God or is your intent to get to heaven? Because if your intent is or is your intent to look good in front of others, you make the same action with one of those. The same action is going to have fully different consequences depending upon which one of those three intents you have when you did it. Perspective, same, right? Yeah, perspective. It's the same It's the same as the sin. As This is just how I would see it. That being said, there are some things that there is no debate on. There's the Ten Commandments. There's no debate on it. There's one man, one woman. There's no debate on it. There's, you know, divorce. There's, you know, I don't think divorce is in the Ten Commandments. But it's very clear in numerous other places in the Bible. Those are tenets. Those are tenets of being a believer in God. Now, there's tenets, and then there's beliefs, you know, which are how do you implement those tenets. But it's not – there, there is no gray area on the things that are directly called out. So, so Mr. K, I want you to, to chime in on this. Um what what do you have to say about this this sin? You know what is right, what is wrong? What do we follow? How do we bring this chaos into order? The instruction was originally given to Adam. Now I know it's not written in the Bible that says that, but oh, well, it could be that, said. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. I mean, the whole reason that God punished the world was because they didn't keep the instruction. He just didn't flood the earth for nothing. You know, so now all of a sudden you've got God making things more clear he comes on mount sinai he gives the instruction to moses and Mo and the people are like hey moses how do we do this and so they're coming to him and they're asking him and even his father-in-law comes and say, hey you, you got to set this up into a system where you know you you got people that can go through a process to understand this and you know and through that moses was clearly given instruction there was oral tradition oral understanding given and and then in Deut Deuteronomy 17, it actually says whatever they whatever they decide is what is required. I mean, this is what the law is going to be, and this is the way it was going forward from today. From a Jewish side, it's not only the written, but it's also the oral instructions given from Moses, and that's what's recorded in the Mishnah. And that that's that six year process after a kid comes and understands the Torah. They're going through and saying, okay, hey, what was what was the actual oral given on this and then there's another seven-year process of all the you know the last two thousand years of commentary talking about it they're, they're not necessarily going to have the perfect understanding it's for them to make a ruling on a decision themselves which is really where i want to where i wanted to kind of go with this conversation okay so is this is is this Mr. K, what discipleship looks like is is yes. discovering each one of these kind of going through and saying, I'm going to consider and study and, and look at the what what was said orally, which is valid. What was what this means? What does the sacrifices mean? I mean, this is this working it out with fear and trembling. And those who endure, those who work through this until the end will be saved. This is what discipleship looks like. 
Yeah, and, and Darren Huckey wrote a good book called uh, For Responsibility for the Disciple. That, that That's a great resource to go look at. Anybody who wants to read that? Yeah, anybody wants to check that out on uh, howdoirepent.org, how, uh, the, the Four Responsibilities of a Disciple. I've read it, an incredible read, and it definitely will give you some more insight as to what uh, we are talking about. So we have a rabbi who teaches us something, and we the responsibility of a disciple is to basically follow that teacher. Our teacher is Jesus. We've given up our life and we're like, okay, we're going to follow our rabbi. The rabbis teach, this is a standard teaching uh, in Judaism, that when when we're born into this world, we, we come into this world, they say we, we actually are going to have challenges that we need to overcome. God gives us, hey, these are the challenges that you need. And so the rabbis say that we actually pick our parents to help us through that process of overcoming these challenges. Now, whether you believe that or not, you know, it's, I'm just it's giving really, you a Yeah, it's just, it's just a cool thought to think of. You know, before you so, were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you, you know. Yeah. Well, well, Jesus gave parables. And I mean, he, he, he told I mean, that given parables is a Jewish way of teaching. It's midrash, you know, we're giving it. helps it. me understand. Yeah, and, it, and so, you know, is the parable true? Is the Midrash true? It, it, it's giving you a perspective. Right. So from, from this perspective, you have challenges that you have to overcome in this world. In Revelation, it says, you know, that we, we get a reward for overcoming. <laughs> okay. That, that's what it is. So I think an easy way to maybe look at this is if anybody has diabetes or some kind of sickness, they, they have to manage it. And for people who go through that, they, they understand it. I mean, like diabetic management, diabetes management, that's a big thing. Cause if you don't manage your diabetes, you get high or you get high blood pressure, you start losing your memory when you're older. There's all kinds of problems. People die from it and, and you have to manage it. Well, you need to look at sin as sin management. Sin is in our life. It's a part of us. It's, it's a part of our challenges of how we grew up. We were grown into a family. Maybe things influenced us. But how how the rabbis say that we choose our challenges? Well, we choose our sin. I mean, if somebody is going to be a thief, they're choosing to do that. If they're going to be sexually immoral, they're choosing to do that. So we choose our challenges. In choosing that, what sin does, it conceals God more, and we can't see him. We can't understand them. You, you've got to, you know, you, you've got to separate from sin to enter in. You've got to create a dwelling place for God to come here. God doesn't dwell in, in muck. And so that, our that's, what, is, that's, that's where I, you know, and I'm sure a listener is probably maybe saying the same thing, maybe not, but, um, you know, that, that when Jesus came, he cleaned that all up and there's really, that we we are now without spot or wrinkle. We are now completely clean. We we don't have to worry about that past. If that's true, then you you know if if everything's taken care of, then you have full revelation, full understanding, and you don't even need to study anymore, and you're done. And the way the way well you know even even this verse in in Romans you know the wages of sin is death. I but the gift of God is eternal life. Doesn't necessarily mean that the wages of sin are no longer you know valid if you go on sinning you're going to reap the the repercussions of sin you're you're it's going to lead to death so you know saying that 
I'm clean. I, I, I don't like the phrase I'm free. And, and here's why is because you're essentially saying I no longer deal with sin. I'm completely, you know, uh, I'm, I'm apart from sin because I have Jesus. Well, I would then ask you who here deals with sexual immorality, who here deals with, you know, the, the lust of the flesh and, and who here deals with, uh, you know, the desires of, of the flesh and, and acting on those desires. Um, so, so really coming into this area of saying, I'm completely free, you know, raising your hands and saying, thank you for, for giving me freedom. I, I don't really know where that comes from. And I'm really not sure what that statement means. Cause as I look at it, I'm still dealing with sin every single day. And like well, you think- said, having to overcome it. Yeah, I think people don't want to do the overcoming part. I, the, the, the thing, like, if we go back to the Torah, Deuteronomy 618 says, do what is right and good in the law, in the Lord's sight. The assumption there is that we can do what's right. The, 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 that's where it comes to this choice. We have to choose to do what's right. We have to follow God's instructions to understand what's right. Mm. And if we don't take the time, in our life to work through understanding God and coming closer. And we do that by stopping sin. We let go of it and God bring, as we draw close to God through obedience, he draws close to us. It's like he gives us the desires of our heart as we seek him. Right. So right. we, if we're not seeking him and our desire is more for this world, then we're sowing to this world and we're going to reap the desires of this world. Like, like Rick said, you know, intent, right? I mean, yeah. we're, we're, we're gaining more of this world, but more of a separation from God. You're gaining the whole world and yet losing your soul. And my friends, you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on with somebody who I'm inspired by. You know, you know, Rick has just come such a, an incredible uh, journey. And so I'm seeing this lived out in real time. And it's and I'm actually so proud um, at the same time. There is something to say about denying yourself, picking up your cross and following, uh, coming closer to God and, you know, seeing a revelation unfold and, and experiencing more of God. This does happen. So so if you're in a place right now, you're saying, you know, I'm on a plateau, man. Where where do I go from here? What do you say they do? I can only speak to my experience, but my experience from both sides of living in sin and trying to live, you know, a righteous path and follow God, both of them have the same snowball effect. And that's the harder you run at it, the larger the snowball gets and the harder it gets to stop. And like you said, um, uh, Mr. K, the having that you mentioned earlier, how you've got to have a group around you. You, You've got to live in a community where that's the community's goal is to, is to be holy, et cetera. Well, one of the reasons that that's successful is, it creates that support system when sin does creep in. If everybody around you has the same, you know, the, the same end goal and the same standards, that's the standard you keep. It, and that's the end. It also creates that feeling of, oh, I have to repent, you know, um, uh, because it's easy to just let that go. You, I, I, Most people have someone in their life that has gone down the ra- wrong path and they've heard the phrase, well, this is just who I am. Nobody wants to be isolated and nobody wants to be exiled. And so if your community doesn't allow somebody to, this is just who I am, well, your motivation and your inclination to repent and restart, keep that snowball going, a path towards God versus a path towards sin, 
uh, it's it's much easier. It's so good. That is so good. Ooh. And I and, and and to make it clear, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory. So I appreciate your transparency there, Rick. Um, the same the same thing that I struggle with every single day. Those those things that maybe I I haven't even identified yet that that are that are motivating me to lash out in anger, you know, what's underlying there. So really digging down, going back to those, those little things that, uh, you know, that I haven't even identified yet. And that all comes through repentance. I'll let you know, as soon as we get off this, I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) There's seven, there were seven laws given before the, the actual law at Mount Sinai was given. Those, Which we all know the laws you said were ways to connect, right? So right. Yeah. seven ways to connect. Yeah, so there's seven, yeah, and they're general categories for every citizen of this world that was given. And they're called the Noahide laws. So the, the seven was don't profane God's oneness. And then, which is, you know, it's basically not, don't, don't commit idolatry. Know that there is one God. And, monotheism. Yeah, monotheism, exactly. And then there's second, the second commandment was don't curse God. Don't curse the creator. So don't blaspheme him. Last week we were talking about blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of discussion on about blaspheme. I, I've, I've read and I, I know blaspheme could be, you know, as mentioned that it's cursing the creator. Uh, there's, you know, basically you're disobeying God. You're, you're not listening. And, you know, and I, and I know that's a whole debate and discussion among scholars and everything, but just at a simple level, we're not to curse our creator and it includes the prohibition on blasphemy. So be obedient to him. And then do not murder. That's the third one. Do not murder means don't, don't, it's, it involves the prohibition on manslaughter. It also, also talks about don't, don't assassinate somebody's character. So don't degrade them. And sometimes the I see people, tongue, right? yeah, some people will just be jokers and they'll just continually slam somebody and put them down. Mm. Well, oh, that is a, that's actually, it's murder. You're, you're killing somebody's character through that. Wow. Wow. So, so what you're saying is, is that, you know, the same, you know, God spoke the universe into existence. So in, you know, in Proverbs uh, 8, 1821, it talks about death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, you know, that right there kind of, Kind of goes to that, right, Mister K? Yeah. You have the ability to murder somebody with your tongue, and and yeah, I would, sure, you know. So, so, um, yeah. What else do you got? Do not commit sexual morality. This is, you know, forbidden relationships. Uh, do not steal. Uh, you know, there's a prohibition on dishonesty. Actually, stealing could be because rape is considered stealing. You're you're taking advantage of somebody else. Sure. So the sixth one is do not eat the limb of a living animal. So back, back in the day, uh, they didn't have refrigerators. They would, they would cut a, a leg off a cow, eat it. Well, it says don't do that. Don't, it includes don't. So messed up. Yeah. I mean, it, there's just don't, you know, be kind to animals, you know, and then this, there's other, there's other things in these just categories. And then there's established courts of law. And, you know, and, and so that built the base. And that's what all humanity is required. And they're required to do that to have a peaceful society with all hu- humans. Oh, so, yeah, to re- to, for the human race to survive. Yeah, you know, but that was a base. That was a base foundation. And then there's another. Then God gave the Ten Commandments, which was built on this. And this, so I like to say, you know, one of them is don't, don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Well, how do you bear a false witness? Well, it's when you're in court. 
So, so that strengthened the previous commandment. Well, out of those ten commandments are, there are ten categories. And like we were talking in the beginning, there's two main categories. One is loving God and one is loving your neighbor. But all 613 commandments in the Bible, all 613 ways to connect to God are in those ten commandments, are in those ten categories, which those ten categories are built on these seven. So when, in Acts, Acts 15, they're basing those four commandments that they're telling the, uh, the believers in Jesus to follow who are not Jewish. They're basing it off of commandments that are required for sojourners who live amongst the people in Israel. So the apostles were looking at followers of Jesus as sojourners. Now, we just unloaded a whole big, you know, pile here and, and it's good. We're going to have to do another. Talk it's about a good this. pile. It's a good I, pile. I, I mean, the thing is, there, there's a lot to sin. And, and, and it's, and it's much, it's, it's not as easy as just saying, uh, oh, well, I shouldn't smoke. It, there's just, there's a lot more to it. It, it takes a lot of time to unpack and to work through. But these are categories that God gives us. Right. And, and no one is, is going to, no one's going to sit here or even, even listening and say, really, God, God did away with these. So, so honestly, the case could be made before God and before all of heaven that, you know, these were nailed to the cross. So I have the opportunity to remove an animal's limb and gnaw on it while the rest of the animal is running around somewhere. Or I, I'm, I'm able to drink the blood of an animal that disgusting. I mean, who wants to do that? Um, and, and I'm also able to murder people with my tongue. It, well, no, nobody's going to say that. So why is that case even presented? Why is there the need to to cause uh, someone else to fall? You know, and even the Bible says, you know, you know, far be it that you make one of these little ones fall, better a millstone be tied around your neck. Or if you teach others to disobey the commandments, you'll be least in the kingdom. And and so as as we're sitting here and thinking about this, and next week we're dive, we're going deeper. We're, we want to we want to start to dissect what has been said. We've given you something to to. Uh, illuminate your palate to prepare you for um, maybe what is coming next. Uh, but I, I would love for you to consider, um, you know, as you've kind of maybe been sitting there and going, hold on a second, this does not go with my theology, breaking down those walls and saying, okay, so what if, if I could take a step in this direction, God told me to ask, he told me to seek, through, through his son, Jesus Christ. He told me to knock. He told me to approach him. He told me to ask the questions and, and work it out with fear and trembling. So as you are working it out, I would encourage you, be careful of throwing up the walls of theology and saying, well, this is just what I believe, you know, and I am not deviating from that. Well, that's what we call old wineskin. And that's what Jesus called old wineskin. And he cannot pour any new revelation in because it's just going to make you burst. And so as we're not asking you to throw away your entire faith belief system, what I'm merely saying as as we work through this, that you would allow yourself to see, you know what, that that is something that, you know, God wouldn't have thrown away something that he gave humanity, like Rick said, in order to allow humanity to thrive and coexist peacefully. He gave us instruction. And if we disobey that instruction, that's sinning, and that's what separates us from God. 
So my friends, uh, as we close it out here, final thoughts, Mr. K and, uh, and Rick, and, uh, and then we're going to hit the road and stand by for next week as we dive in deeper to the 10 commandments. I would say just a final thought that just to touch back on the, the importance of intention and intentionality in what you do and what, what Mike, what Mike, like Mike likes to say about knowing the right thing to do and do and not doing it. If they're, you know, when, when given to the question, does this, does this stack up to what I believe? Go back to the book. We have an instruction manual for a reason. Something I just want to leave this week just to think about until next week. So we can talk about this more next week. God gave instructions on specific things that we're to do. Like in, in the book of Deuteronomy, it says to make a, to give thanks after we eat. And, you know, we thank God for the food and for the land. Well, for some reason, it's been twisted and people will give thanks before, but Deuteronomy says to give a thanks after. Well, we, we can bless, we can bless something before we eat it. Like Jesus blessed the bread before he ate it or before he gave it. But then after, you know, the Torah says to give thanks. Well, there's an instruction that God says, Hey, this is the way I want you to do it. That, that's the little things we learn. And that's where we have to go back to what Moses said. How do we bless this? And that's what the Jewish people know. So that's an instruction. So it doesn't mean it's not. We can't just say, well, this is how we understand it. So this is what I'm doing. But God has a way that's it's more like a target. And that's what Paul was saying. You know, Jesus was the aim. It's like it, it's the target. Are we going to hit the bullseye or are we just going to hit outside the bullseye? Or are we going to miss the whole target in, in general? Right. With, with the whole intent, like like Rick was saying at the beginning, you wanting to know God at a deeper level. If, you know, you're content, then then you're content. And, and no one is going to stand here in judgment of you over what you eat, right. over what you believe, over what you um, have set your life to be. It's a matter of, do I want to know God at a deeper level? And there's an opportunity to. Yeah, I, I, I am in agreement, you know, in summation, and, and I'm thinking about just the conversation that we had. Really, when it comes down to is, Am I going to be an advocate for arguing for the sake of continuing to do what I want to do so that I can live a life separate of God? Or am I going to let my guard down, humble myself, um, consider the fact that, you know what, I can know God at a deeper level. And listen, my friends, God is a big God, and we we never can fully grasp the the totality of who God is. So there you know, in saying that, well, I've accepted Jesus uh, for the forgiveness of my sins. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. Really, what does that lead? That, that really brings God down into such a small, uh, just tight box that that really there's nothing beyond that. But what what we are submitting in these conversations is that there's so much more to talk about. There's so there's so much more to consider. And really saying, how can I truly love God? There are a couple of questions that you walk away with. How do I love God? How do I love others? Bottom line. I can't say, well, this is what I believe. This is my interpretation. It has to be, what does God say? So as we leave you today and excited to be back with you next week, really think on those things. What is sin? How do I love God? How do I love others? And how do I draw near to God? So my friends, God bless you, and we all look forward to having you back here next week on the How Do I Repent.org podcast.